Welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Lance Davison. Dr. Davison is a professor in the Wellington Faculty Fellow in the Department of Bioengineering at the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Davison, welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. Oh, thank you, John. Thank you for the invite. So you have some exciting programs. I saw a recent announcement about your work in terms of computational and experimental data complementing each other. Tell us a little bit about this work, please. We got into this project because we're very interested in how mechanics shapes tissues and shapes embryos and then goes on to shape organs. And one of the key tools in this field is the use of computational methods, computational modeling, simulations, trying to simulate tissue movement and deformations and and use that to understand what are the processes going on in vivo during these same events. And so we, like many people who use simulation for understanding complicated processes, we started building models of various sorts, and these models would more or less depict what was going on in reality. The challenge is, is we could change the parameters just a little bit, and they looked pretty good. So the outcomes were not so dependent on the parameters that we use to run the simulations. And so the question becomes, how do you do statistical analysis? How do you know that you have the right set of model parameters? Or how do you know that those actually fit your experimental system? And so we had a, a very nice, simple experimental system where we could do many, many repetitions of the same experiment over and over and systematically vary the initial conditions, so to speak. And then we use these computational models to try to understand what were the underlying physical principles that drove these shape changes. So let's just step back for a moment and make sure all our listeners understand. Why is it desirable to have a computational tool when you can do things experimentally? Most of the events that you're very much interested in understanding, like tissue regeneration, wound healing, the spread of disease or spread of cancers and things like that, occur deep within the human body. They can't be followed in real time. They can't be quantified on sort of like an hourly basis. You can't watch what cells are actually doing inside the human body. So computational models are really important to understand that. And you have to have an experimental model system where you can go about and test these particular kinds of models and to validate them in a situation where you can watch all of these things. And fortunately for us, we use a model system, a frog embryonic development model system, which allows us direct access to the cell and tissue movements that take place. And a lot of those processes are shared precisely with uh, human regeneration and human wound healing and also human development, sort of topics that we really can't study in vivo because they're taking place inside the body and we just can't see them. So I might also suggest that the ability to affect a very certain parameter is a lot easier to do computationally than it is experimentally. That's right. So we were able, in our computational models, we were able to change parameters with 20,000 different experiments within a day. We can do experiments in the lab, but we can only do maybe 
20 or up to 100 experiments a day. So this huge amplification, this, this leverage that computer simulation allows us, lets us do lots and lots more experiments. So what special tools do you use? I saw some reference to automated microscopes. Yeah, so we use a combination of really old and really new tools. So the old tools that we use are tools and techniques that were developed in the middle 1800s. But then we take those samples, the biological samples that we get, and we use the most modern light microscopy tools to watch them to see what they do. So we use confocal microscopy, time-lapse imaging of what cells and tissues and, and proteins are doing with inside these samples over time. So light microscopy has undergone revolution in the last 20 years where you can actually follow where proteins are going inside of cells and then see where cells themselves are going inside of a tissue. So live, while it's happening, you can watch. I saw a video on your website that showed some of that. It was very interesting. So... How does your work link to biology? We think that by understanding the processes that shape tissues in vitro or in explants or tissues that are cultured outside of the body, we can understand how these processes are working inside the human body. So how regeneration actually works, how tissues that are used in regenerative biology or regenerative medicine actually work to heal and regenerate organs and structures within the living body. Are you looking at mechanical properties of cells or at other aspects? We're seeking to understand the mechanics, but in order to understand the mechanics, you have to understand the cell biology of various processes that are responsible for cell mechanics. So why is it that cells move? You have to understand the cytoskeleton, the proteins that give rise to forces and material properties in embryos like the extracellular matrix. So all of these are genetically determined, but in order to understand their role in mechanics, you have to be able to test them and measure them and simulate them. Dr. Davidson, these new tools that you developed, how are they making things better for you and for your colleagues? So whenever you do an experiment, whenever you carry out an experiment, the results are variable. You have small differences in how tissues evolve in the dish or in human patients. And we want to understand how those variations arise. And so with computational approaches, you can begin to see how variations in the initial conditions or variations in the parameters that you need to use to drive those processes in a computer simulation may actually be responsible for the variations that you see in vivo. So by looking at these variations statistically in a very robust manner, and we use Bayesian computational statistics to do this, we can make some predictions about where the sources of variation come from. Why is it that in some cases tissues spread fast and in some cases they spread slowly are really leading us into new areas of experimentation. It has a connection to personalized medicine. Exactly. So personalized medicine, everybody is different. Why are they different? At this point, we're sequencing their genomes. We can see how they differ, but that's sort of like numbers in a table. We don't know how those numbers or how those genes are related to the physical outcomes of various treatments or how cells respond in their bodies to those particular treatments. What makes one person's 
outcome different than another person's. We are really seeking to understand that. And these kind of computational approaches are ways in which you could take a particular disease or a disease state and try out a variety of treatments and map out how important it is to have particular treatments or how unimportant it is. Even more importantly, I think, is how unimportant it is, right? So you want to develop a robust diagnosis, a robust treatment plan, and then have some confidence in the outcomes that you're going to get. And I think we really need statistical approaches like the ones we use in this paper to analyze those. So this is fascinating science, but many of our listeners are interested in the therapies. Where might this lead in terms of better improved therapies? At present, most of the work that we do is basic research. I see the kinds of things that we're doing now as feeding into a pipeline that will be later taken up by tissue engineers and clinicians who are seeking to develop more sophisticated ways to deal with designing tissues or with developing treatment plans. So one of the things that we're looking at is can we use these kinds of approaches to predict the movement of immune cells within a tissue. It's sort of a battle of statistics. It's a battle of numbers. Can you get certain kinds of immune cells into certain locations at a certain time during the course of a disease or during inflammation or during the fight against that particular disease? And so I think these modeling approaches with similar kind of computational modeling and experimentation may lead the way to these kind of improvements. But I don't think we have a translational plan at present to carry that out. Fundamental basic research is laying the groundwork for those who follow behind us and also to try and start working with engineers that are interested in translating this approach. Very good. Dr. Davidson, I know that one of your aspirations and commitments is to train new scientists and engineers. Can you tell us a little bit about how this work relates to that outcome? This work was the product of a several-year-long collaboration between my group and two senior authors on the paper, Holly Lynch and Tracy Stepien. And Tracy is now a junior faculty at University of Florida, and Holly Lynch is a junior faculty at Stetson University. Tracy is a mathematician, and Holly is a physicist. So the interesting thing to me is how do you bring new insights and new perspectives into scientific research, and how do you broaden the impact of that training? And so Tracy and Holly are remarkable candidates for future leadership positions in the field. And and I think it's a great opportunity for young people to work in a very supportive environment where everyone is welcome. So it reinforces the multidisciplinary nature of these studies. That's the remarkable thing about modern research. It's not as siloed as it used to be, where chemists only worked on chemistry problems and physicists only worked on physics problems. We now have physicists and mathematicians working on problems that are fundamental to regenerative biology and developmental biology. And these new insights are taking us into new places that I don't think anyone would have dreamed that we would be going 20 or 50 years ago. Dr. Davidson, thank you for joining us today and sharing with us your pioneering work. Congratulations to you and your colleagues for the accomplishments you've realized. 
like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine for sponsoring this podcast series. So we meet again. Thank you for listening.